firecrackers, it's Naomi and welcome to a brand spanking new episode of the firecracker department. So excited that you could make it. Thank you. There's a lot that you can put in your ears these days. There's a lot. There's podcasts. I think there's still music and TV and movies and the fact that you chose, you know, this hour to throw us in your ears. I really appreciate that. Thank you. How's your week going? What are you working on? Deanna Moffat, who's um, running the Artist's Way group with the Firecrack Department, did a little uh, rock painting um, event get-together where they painted rocks and then they're going to just leave them around the city just to surprise people with a little bit of fun. And I just love that. My mom would do that kind of thing all the time. She would do this thing where she would see somebody that maybe, I don't know, looked down on their luck or just looked like they could use a pick-me-up and she would slip like a $10 bill into their pocket without them knowing. Isn't that the coolest? Or she would do things like, just out of nowhere, she would buy somebody's coffee or she would see somebody that's like, you know, homeless or struggling and she would go and buy them dinner and like a full dinner and, you know, just turn people's days around. So I love this rock painting initiative that Deanna uh, started. If you want more information about how to have your own rock painting um, soiree event, Go over to our Facebook membership page and uh, chat with her, Deanna Moffat. She's the coolest and um, we're so lucky to have her leading the artist's way. She's doing it with such beauty and kindness and care and love. And she's all that and a bag of chips. A bag of like healthy chips, like those nice ones that are like beets and yam chips, those kind of bag of chips. That's how great she is. Now, our guest this week is award-winning director and producer, Jenna Ricker. I was in New York last year and uh, I was doing some auditioning and I was doing some meetings and then in typical sneakers fashion, I was like, I gotta, I gotta take this opportunity and meet some firecrackers that are in this town that I might not be able to meet otherwise. So our firecracker friend, Annie Bradley, suggested I talk with Jenna Ricker and uh, we, we, met. It was fantastic. It wasn't all fantastic for me because I'd had one of those mornings. I was putting a self-tape on and if you're an actor you understand the joys and challenges of self-tapes. But I had, I was like just determined to do it. And then because my Wi-Fi situation wasn't great and because I, I didn't have a, the right tripod, like you can imagine, a picture like a table and a chair and then like a box and another box and maybe something else and then I had to like Skype in somebody so that they could be my reader anyway I got it recorded one step and then the second step it took me I'm not kidding it took me eight hours to get it to my agent and it was just mind-blowing it was so frustrating I was trying to breathe through it the whole time and uh, I know if you're an actor you've been there before where you're watching the Wi-Fi going are you kidding me it's taking me this long and Oh, awful uh, and then so I finally got to Jenna and she was really like flexible and just like don't worry come to this restaurant whenever you want and we got to the place my, my recording device didn't work like it was just a technical gremlin day like something had gotten into my technology sphere and we're like you're not gonna have any fun today with any of this and then uh, oh you know what happens around lunchtime in French bistros lunch so we got slammed. It's a bit noisy, but you'll still be able to hear Jenna and I, and we had such a great talk. I didn't want to lose this opportunity to talk with her, and um, so we just threw it on my phone. It's called improvising. It's called doing what you gotta do to make it happen. Uh, but we had such a great chat. This firecracker, she made a move to directing after working as an actor and a writer, 
and we really in this chat we really dug into it and more about that kind of like transition and why you make those transitions and how that suits your artist's journey. Jen's first film, Ben's Plan, uh, has led her through some incredible projects leading up to her 30 for 30 doc, which was called Qualified, about the first woman to earn a place on the starting grid at the Indianapolis 500. And yeah, isn't that the coolest Qualified? You have to check this movie out. We talked about artistic responsibility, we talked about bullshit on set. We talked about joining the Directors Guild. I'm so glad I pushed through that technical nightmare. And it really was like, it, it almost brought me to my knees. It was so frustrating. And I was like, you know, when you're talking to yourself, watching the, the file download, going, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay, sneakers. Keep going. You're okay. That's what I was doing. So um, I'm so glad I pushed through that nightmare and sat down and had a chat with the just extraordinary artist, Jenna Recker. There she is. I feel like you, so you moved from California to New York to go to acting school. Yeah. So I feel like you kind of did a path that so many actors want to do or have in their mind now, uh, either having a long-term um, career or short-term, but they sort of want to go into that. Right. So tell me a little bit about that transition. Sure. So, well, you know, as a kid, I would say I wanted to do all of it. Mm -hmm. right? I didn't even know what all of that meant. So I just would say, yeah, I'm going to act, I'm going to write, I'm going to direct, I'm going to produce, whatever these things mean, I just said I was going to do it all. Um, and acting was certainly something that was easy to do as a kid, you know, in school, etc. Yeah. So, um, uh, so I came to NYU to study acting, and um, relatively quickly I sort of found, certainly after finishing school, that I was much more keen to... I had tons of admiration for actor friends who were hitting the pavement and seeking out jobs. This is back before the internet stuff. This is when everyone's like right. picking up a backstage magazine and flipping to see about the, you know, the listings and stuff. Oh, magazines. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you know, so romantic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, and I was just a very lazy actor. I would act in things that friends, you know, asked me to do. I right. would, uh, you know, do this or that. But I was finding that I was totally enthralled with writing and directing and doing it more and more and then finally I think I woke up on my 30th birthday and I was like hey not now when yeah and I just put all my focus towards writing and directing did that freak you out no like that transition oh really because I know when you think you have a focus and you're like yeah. oh I'm gonna be an actor and so you're like wait a second, that's if I'm not. Right. And you want to embrace it, but yeah. it's also against everything that your vision was. Yeah. But I, it didn't freak you out. I think I... <laughs> Maybe I think that's I, just me. <laughs> no, no, I, I appreciate that. I think what had happened for me is that I wasn't owning the fact yeah. that as much as I enjoyed and totally enjoyed acting and admired and loved actors and loved working with actors, I, I wasn't willing to like break down the door there, right. but I was willing to break down the door for writing and directing. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, that's so. a really good um, clue. Like, if you're on track with something, you're like, oh, it's too hard. Yeah. And if you still find it too hard, like the nightmare that I just went through <laughs> uploading that video, I'm like, I'll still do it. I'll still do it yeah. tomorrow. I'll do it again. You right. know? So. I mean, just this working in, as any in any kind of art form, um, but certainly in um, what we do as actors or writers or directors, it's collaborative and it's hard and it's not easy and it's constantly yeah. putting yourself out there with your idea and your scope and all that stuff and if you're not willing to put the time in 
you have to own that. Yeah. And so, yeah, for me, and writing and directing, you're like, yeah. I got this. I'll I want to do that. Yeah. I'll just but you were doing do like theater and things yes. before that. Like, I feel yes. like you're one of the um, those film artists. Like, you know, how, do, oh, do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, that sounds sort of pretentious, but... I'll totally take it. <laughs> but looking at your background, it feels like your passion came from such a theater background, because you, you talk about, right. like, your love of Harold Pinter and Clifford Odets and things like that. Yeah. And you wrote, is it Garage that got you right. some acclaim? Yeah. And was that when it sort of triggered for you? I think so. I, well, you know, I have one of those... Um, uh, I was just talking with this about this with somebody the other day. I had one of the, because he had it too, one of those like first out the gate, like yeah. everyone says it's great, and you're like, great, great. this is going to be it's so, so easy. easy. Yes. <laughs> and then you're it's like, It's like when people oh. go to LA and they book like their first pilot, and they're yes. like, so I'll just work nonstop now, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. And then you're like, oh, oh, okay. Life. Yeah, never going to work that way. <laughs> right. Um, and so, yeah, so I, but it's, I think that's where it clicked for that is that it was like, I did nothing but enjoy that process, even in the most frustrating moments of, you know, trying to get your thoughts out on the page. Yeah. And that's really what clicked. So yeah. there was never a time with, when you were, like, playwriting into transitioning into screenwriting where you were like, this is too hard. No. I think I, I grew up with a kind of cinephile, well, cinephile might be too big a word, but movies were a big part of my childhood yeah. and it was something I shared with my siblings and and your and your dad parents, as well dad, right I read yeah that. and so what, there was a lot of a lot of things that we learned or or watched in film that matriculated into our daily life you know sayings and phrases oh, yeah? and storylines and yeah like and, what well like you know princess bride is one of those films that like we all saw when we were little and it became vernacular in the house or you know, Jaws, or um, my mom was worried when I was quoting Schindler's List. Right. Like things that were just, it right. just we, we would, on New Year's Eve, um, I didn't go to parties with friends, because I loved this family thing we did, where we went to Blockbuster, back when we were at yeah. VHS, and we got tons of um, movies, because you would have it for like three days, or four days, or something like that, and... So we could just do a movie marathon, mm -hmm. and so we would watch those. I'd watch movies, Ignazian, like, A Room with a View was quoted a lot. How old were you? Um, 15, 16, right. 17. Did that take started you? earlier than that. Yeah, I mean, you know? I think you said something about 10, you wanted to go and see, um, um, was it Kramer versus Kramer? Oh, Terms of Endearment. Terms of Endearment, yeah. yeah. Something like dramatic yeah, at a 10. Like, I can't believe you would let me go to Terms well, of Endearment. They didn't. So what happened with Terms of Endearment, I didn't even understand what the, what it meant. Yeah. Um, but I was clearly moved probably by the um, you know, trailers for it, I guess. Yeah. So I kept asking, and they were like, no, it's not appropriate. Right. You can't. And they went and saw it, and they would read a and um, we're in a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, I sat on the stairs, and I came home, and I was sitting there, and I was like, "How was it?" And I was really like <laughs> dejected, yes, like exactly, like they cheated on yeah, me with another movie. Totally. <laughs> and then my dad um, got me the soundtrack for it shortly after. He thought I'd like. He's like, "And I can't see it, but here's you know the, the soundtrack, and the soundtrack is beautiful." But they have these little clips of 
the film that lead into the songs, the score. And so in my mind, I had pieced together so much of the film, and then I saw it, I know it by heart, I'll cry if I start telling you scenes. I get it, you know, yeah. It's just, it was this odd connection. I mean, in the, the world film. of perfection, that probably gave you, like, an intimate appreciation for music oh, yes. that maybe you brought into now. Well, because yeah. the music in American Side is beautiful, like oh, it's really thank specific. Thank you. Thanks. That was the most amazing David Shire. Right. Like, I grew up with his music. You know, all the President's Men and right. the conversation, and yeah, that was a huge moment. He said yes, and I was like, what? Yeah, well, I can't believe. It. And I sat with him, and I would every once in a while look over and be like, it's David Shire. Yeah, that's David Shire. Um, Don't you hope you never lose that? Yes. Like, I hope that I'm always able to go, look what I get to do. Like, I still feel like that. I'm, like, from Second City background, and so whenever I go into those buildings, I'm like, look at my heroes. I can't help it. It's beautiful. It's why you do the stuff you do. There's this, you know, life force that that feeds you. And with music and scoring, um, that Terms of Endearment soundtrack did put me on a course of, like, you know, where my peers were getting the latest you know, Pearl Jam or whatever. I was like, I got the mission, you guys. Yeah. You know? And they're like, what are you talking <laughs> So what? Because I feel like, you know, like, so 10 to 15, that's the time that you're... Yeah, that's when I think it really... So did you lose <laughs> friends? Like, not, not in a bad way, but, like, did that really separate you? Because your community was probably, like, collecting stickers. Right. And playing, you know, I don't right. dress up or whatever it is. Like, right. So how did you... That's, a, you know, um, that's a great question. I think in all sort of, you know, honesty, there, it became for me um, a grounding place because my family, my parents started to divorce. And right. There was all sorts of tumults in my own life. And so... This thing I had loved so much just became something I could completely go toward. Yeah. And so I was involved with theater and I was involved in sports at school. Those are my two things. And I had a very keen, and then this might be true of all artists, I'm not sure, but I had a very keen awareness that um, I didn't want to be a part of any particular group. I wanted to be able to be with the people that I wanted to be with. So I had friends in the cheerleading group and friends in the sports group and friends in the, you know, weird band guys yeah. and like and it was great. And I but I remember having a very specific moment my freshman year of high school being like, I don't want to be in a group. I want to be of the people that I enjoy. So That's in a way it's kind of a mixed thing. Like I don't know chicken and egg if like my love of, you know, sort of different stuff young did that or if some of the divorce in my family's life like created this vacuum space for me to I don't know yeah I mean it also made you a, a Jacqueline of all trades right yeah I love that Jacqueline of all <laughs> right? trades. that's great um I think it did I think it didn't make me feel limited yeah that's for sure it didn't make me think that like well there's only one thing right um I looked out a lot too because as a kid you know my family says I pointed to the television and said I'm going to do that when I grew up when I was like three yeah. this is the lore like I, w- I couldn't can't remember I but get that I know I wouldn't be surprised I lucked out they never said that's nuts you're crazy it's not stable don't do it right um, they were always so supportive and my siblings were always so supportive and 
Yeah, there was never a big question mark like, okay, sure, fine, but find a backup plan. Right. Like, there was nothing what was like their, that. What were their uh, occupations? Um, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and then after the divorce, she went back and became, um, got her degree in uh, counseling. Mm-hmm. And then my dad was uh, a banker, real estate developer, and then later in life, um, he sort of had this interesting shift. Later in life, he went from being like, you know, the real estate developer to finding ways to um, go into communities and create low-income housing for people. And he sort of had this, I don't know, change of something where he was like, it's not about taking, it's about what we can give. Oh, interesting. But those are, I mean, those are fairly stable lifestyles for them to encourage you to be unstable in your lifestyle. I know. They were both really natural storytellers of their own. My mom's a really great writer. She's written some really great verse that we as family have enjoyed like children's books that were all encouraging or constantly like mom send it out it's good stuff yeah like, some of it became what we thought were actual stories and you're like oh that was just mom's made up story right. when we were kids right or verse um and then my dad too he could start a story like a good improver and just build it out yeah and you know we had so that's so interesting for a banker to have that diversity yeah. like my father's an organic chemist and wow. he would tell me stories every night like we I remember like as a kid I, I ended up typing them out and publishing oh, not publishing great. them but giving them to him mm-hmm. and I was like for an organic chemist he's very creative you I know? think that I think that science and math are actually incredibly I think creative so. You know, he'll he, love that you said that too. Yeah. He never I listens, do. but he will love it I when do. I tell him. Yeah, I do because I think you're figuring that it's constantly a problem solving yeah. mindset. And if you're a writer or an actor or a director, much of your job is problem solving. How am I going to get there? How is this going to work? What, yeah, what do I want people to feel or, or get at this moment? You know, so. I do think that there might be. I mean, I suck at math. I don't. Yeah, even, me too. I might be good at it. I just don't want to know. Do you know I don't I mean? even think I'm good at it. Like, I just don't think I have the like, like the um, cosine. Yeah. Sakatawa stuff was like gone. I was so angry about that chapter in math. So. Oh God, I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, I don't. I and, yeah. Me and, neither. Really. No. I just know because a friend of mine made me a T-shirt because he was trying That's to help fantastic. me through. No, because he was trying to help me through my math studies yeah. by making me a T-shirt. Was I, was like, like I still don't get thing. it. I still don't oh understand what I'm wearing. I love it. Yeah. No, I, in my school, they said, after a junior year, they said, so now science and math are an elective. And I'm like, great, I elected right out of that. And, you know. So long, sucker. Yeah. 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 So. Um, so it's interesting. So I looked at, you know, your your place in, like, creation steps. Uh-huh. So you did, like... Ben's plan was like your first movie. That was my first film. And again, yeah. like, so Garage got you acclaim as a playwright. And well, no, then, Garage was my first script. Right, but as a play, right? No, as a script. Oh. Yeah. So, so I had done some little like one act stuff right. here and there, um, but no, Garage was my first script that I wrote. So Ben's plan really took off. Yeah. So Ben's plan was my first film, and that totally stemmed out of, you know, no one's gonna come and be like hey Jenna we heard that you decided you want to direct now so here you go that's right yeah here are your stars (laughs) here's your budget you're welcome go to town yeah um so I isn't um, that the best I mean Nike did it right when it's like just do do the thing you want to do don't wait for somebody to ask you you never can't you can't yeah you can't 
there'll be a wonderful time, hopefully, in everyone's career where they're like, this came to me. Yeah. But, you but know, then it'll pass. It'll pass. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you yeah. always have to generate your stuff. So, yeah, so I decided, um, this is nuts, I decided in October that I needed to direct some, like, create something to direct that was doable and feasible, etc. And in December we were shooting. That's and, wild. Yeah, my apartment became one of the main locations and I had a friend who was a production designer came and like painted my whole house, different, did all this great stuff. Um, and I had this young actor at the time who was a student of mine because I was teaching theater um, in Manhattan. And he um, is now having this lovely successful career Shout out to Ben Schnetzer, fantastic. Yeah. Um, and so he w he was in the film and um, some other great actors and they said yes. And it was one of those things, again, where it's like you have to ask, you know. Yeah. So Patricia Kellenberg, who I believe is right now on Broadway playing um, Gloria Steinem. Oh, cool, yeah. Um, I remember I was coming out of um, class that I was teaching and I saw this number and I recognized and I was like, oh, this could be her. And I picked up and she's like, hi, I want to call you. I got your script. I love it. Let's do it. I was like, what? So I always think that's the you never know card. Yeah. Like you have to play those because the op time. opposite is you don't know. Yeah. No, <laughs> so like, you might as well try. I just think there's this, there's a couple of things that, um, like little phrases that always come back in or little reminders. And one of them is like, don't say no to yourself. Someone right. else, let someone else tell you no. If they're going to say no, they're going to say no. But you don't have to do that. That's someone else's job. There's so many know? people that are going to keep you down. Yeah. Don't let you be one of those people. Yeah. Like, for and, sure. And there's so many more yeses. Like, follow your instincts. It's worth the ask. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. There's nothing to be afraid of. Like, they will or they won't. They yeah. can or they can't. It's not personal. You don't suck. Blah, blah, blah. You know? Yeah. And even with um, the American side, I mean, we have this amazing cast, and they all said yes, and then, and it, they were all these, you know, serendipitous, beautiful moments where, even down to David Shire saying yes, I'll compose the music, and it was like, everybody said along the way, like, oh, that's crazy, don't, oh, no way, they'll say no, oh, blah, blah, and I was like, well, then they'll say no. Yeah. They either, we did get a lot of no's, yeah. you know, like you do, but... Um, pretty much everybody that I wanted as my first run said yes. So. I want to get into that casting because I think that's so creative, your casting of that show. But I want to talk a little bit before we move on about mm. Ben's plan because, I, like, was it a choice because it's a, it's a, like a coming of age yeah. for a guy? Was there like a mental choice you made to make it about a man as opposed to a woman? Um, well, mm, I don't remember being conscious that way. Yeah. I think what I was conscious of in the storytelling of it was that um, one, who do I know who can do this? Yeah. I'm going to try to pull this right. shit off okay. like crazy. So start and with so, casting a bit. A little bit with casting. Gotcha. Who do I know who can pull this off? Um, my cousin played the older brother. Um, you were in it? I was in, yes, very small, nobody should ever watch it moment. Yes, I was in it. No, but there, but it, who, who do I know? So there was part of that. And then part of was struck with the fact that, like, if you're talking about coming of age and you're talking about um, some of it being facilitated by a parent's, a parent's absence, mm -hmm. the parent of the most weight historically is mom. Right. You know, the yeah. one that... that 
the wheels come off yeah often if mom's not there obviously this is changing thankfully there's a lot more you know men involved in the rearing and the all that stuff of children but I'm just saying that to me I felt like the more impactful realization of like wait mom doesn't want to be here right is um, it's a little more gutting yeah yeah in a way in terms of what we're used to and so that's then how I went to that space and now do you feel like with that story like sometimes I look at people's um trajectory in their careers and mm-hmm. I see like them telling the same story right do you feel like there's a, a story that you keep telling in your writing um I think that you're right about that I think that most of the time there's certain themes that you'll always people if you look at any um like over of somebody like they keep coming back to a theme a variation of that theme still in that theme you know um I think I'm um Yes, I would say that, like, um, God, it's a good question, because I'm in a lot, just so many things are flashing through my head. I think at my very core, uh, dealing with this notion of, um, loner, abandonment, Mm. questions, um, rings true, like, so if you were to compare something like Ben's plan to... Uh, the American side, they both have this aspect of like a loner, you know, trying to figure stuff out. Yeah. You know, obviously yeah. one's a super genre pick to the other one, you know, but um, I do think, like my, um, an often collaborator who was also, who co-wrote the American side with me, Greg Stewart, and he's producing this um, new project with me as well. He always says, he's like, you've got a Terms of Endearment in you, actually. Oh my gosh, and, that's so interesting. And I think he's probably yeah. right in terms of like the, the relationships, the the things, the reasons we do things. Why do we do them? Why? Why? Like that always... I know. I mean, I circle me. back a lot and it's not always, I don't always have the answer. Sometimes I'm like, oh, that's why. And then yeah. that flutters away. Right. Like, but why? But why? And you know, the answers change as we yeah, grow and as we have different experiences. And, um, but, you know, when I think about it, it's funny because the films that I love run a bit of a gamut. It's like the George Roy Hill of... Um, movie loving right you know? like George yeah. Hill did all these films in different genres and he did them all well because I think at the end of the day like there's a humanity piece you either tap in or you don't right like, the greatest westerns you know the Sergio Leone westerns there's they're so loaded with heart yeah. and yet they're sparse you know it's like versus talkie talkie I mean you probably see like I feel like you also have your spidey senses open for heart in a story like oh, yeah you know, you like, to, why do you care? Yeah, right? why? Like, why? I mean, that's the movies that I watch. I'm like, I actually don't care about any of them. Yeah. But I don't finish watching the movie yeah. because I'm like, why would I? Right. Why would I spend that time? Right. Yeah. Because you can watch films like, I'm still going on and on about Lynn Ramsey's "You Were Never Really Here," that came out last year. I feel like I saw. Can you? Um, Walking Phoenix. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, That's like, incredible. It's incredible. But it didn't get half the acclaim it deserved. Yeah. This and why do you think that is? Uh, I don't know if we want to go down the road. Of okay, I'll go down I, a little road. I'll yeah. go down a cul-de-sac with Cul-de-sac. You. Yeah. Um, well, you know, the awards in general are never truly reflective no, of art. No, but it's not even like the awards. It's like the recognition in media. Um, well, short answers could be like 
uh, when it when it was released, right? Right. Sometimes timing. The, yeah, timing yeah. is a huge piece. He's of amazing stuff. in that movie. He's amazing in it. She has such a gorgeous, singular, stunning vision for that whole film. The sound yeah. design is remarkable. The score. Yeah, the sound. I read that he actually the sound design like was, they gave him like tracks to listen to really? to prepare I for it, it. I because it was it. such a mental like Ugh. f like it was so. It was, it was, it's just stunning. Yeah. And the thing about that film, part of what I bring it up is that because it's not a light film no. at all. It's so I found heavy. it hard to watch. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it catches you at times where you're like, I don't, I can't, I, I don't think I can take any more. And yet I found myself at the end going, don't go, don't go, don't yeah. go. Like, because yeah. there was so much heart Because in you it. cared so much. Yes. Like, don't you, I mean, it's like, us caring about Tony Soprano. Yes, right. Exactly. When you're like, hold on a second, this <laughs> yeah. guy, Wait a not second. a great person, yeah. but you do because yeah. he's such a good actor and he's such the story is tells so well. So good, but the story has so much heart, and so, I just think that like, I think that's it. It's somewhere yeah. at the end of it, like, there's a pulse. There's a reason why, why you have to be compelled to yeah. finish this. I'm, I grew up in an era where, in the '70s and '80s, well, I was late 70s I guess would have been my, my first anyways in any case I grew up with you know filmmakers who did like Kramer versus Kramer right. and Terms of Endearment and um, you know then Three Days of the Condor totally opposite spectrum but right. you care about Condor yeah. and all the president's men you care about Bernstein and you know like I just grew up with the, that kind of storytelling and even though the genres fluctuate the, you care about the characters. Yeah. You know? So what is your um, what's your bubble gum? Because like when because I feel like like what's the sugar like the like light what's stuff? the stuff that you do when you're not working so to speak like I hang out with my niece who's like the all time greatest improviser right hell is she four, yeah and it's all about yes and and you just play for hours that's a big bubble gum no um. Like, like I, I mean, it's hard to turn off, right? Because you see everything. Like, look at this space that we're yeah. in right now, and I'm like, there's a movie here. Oh, totally. I keep looking down at the at the, the lighting in yeah. this place with these weird bottle things, and I'm like, oh, that would be an interesting thing to, and the like. Whatever, it's totally production designed in here for no. a little moment. And these two characters are crazy. Yeah. So, uh, what's your way of turning? Like, I mean, not or recharging. Not okay. turning off because I right. feel like that's like. I don't think we ever do no, as creators, I know, I say, as like, artists. Do I ever have a downtime? But I, how do you recharge? Because um, you can feel I it. Like movies. I bet you get burnout. Yeah, but I love watching movies. Yeah. actually. So movies, playing, literally hanging out with my niece is like so fantastic. Uh, watching movies, I like to run. Run is like a whole new movie comes into your head, or a whole new palate cleanse of anything and everything. Yeah. Um, but I do find that like that's a real that's another really great question because the more focused and and uh, dedicated you become to your craft, the more you have to actually make yourself pull away for a second. Like, oh, I haven't seen this friend in a long time. I must make a yeah. a moment and when you're in production like so I'm just about to finish this film before it's premiere at South by and you're like, Oh my god, I haven't seen this person. I, I have zero social life. Yeah. I have zero connections and those are definitely when you get back to that it is such a like soul filler upper. So good. And you think, how did I how have I survived the last six, eight months on such like pittance of 
you know, socializing with wonderful, amazing humans in my life. Um, I mean, that's film work too, though, right? Like, yeah. that's why, we, I mean, like, crew is so your family, and oh. so you see these folks, they become your I instant friends. I think that's an amazing thing about, like, theater, film, television, yeah. is that really, in essence, like, you do, you immediately create family and a dynamic, and it can last for, like, this little window, and somehow it's, like, the best summer camp ever, right? Yes, because I always say it. that. Yeah. It's like camp. I love that. And you go away, and you may not see that person. You might or... see the one person again. Like, yes. you know what I mean? You might, yeah, you like, might... revisit and yes. keep in touch. Right, and... there might be the person, for sure, but the, the thing is that, like, you always have this time, though, together. So recently, two of my actresses from the American side both happened to be in town at the same time. They both live in L.A. And it was funny because the one was here, and we were trying to figure out a time to connect, and I was, like, you know, in the mix of, of locking the picture and blah, blah, blah. And so finally we figured out this night. So she we're going to all meet. And then I, um, I see on Instagram the other actress who rarely posts on Instagram Post this picture of this bar, a hotel bar in New York City, and I was like, "Are you here?" Meanwhile, the other actress was like, "Are oh. you here?" So we all got together. Yeah, and that must it have was, felt so it good. It was such a wonderful yeah. night, and it was so great. And and you couldn't afford the time. Couldn't have, yeah. Right, but you did, oh, and it my was God. probably it was so just so brilliant. And she, the other one who had, who had come into town that day, was leaving like a day later. So we just it all, and the other one was staying longer than she had planned. It was one of those total moments of like this was meant to be. Yeah. But the reality is, is like, you know, outside of some of the premieres and a visit here or there, maybe once a year since we made The American Side, I haven't yeah. been able to connect with them like that. And so, but we had this shared experience and then there it is. So yeah. special too. Yeah. I know. I I, uh, I was looking at your American Side too because that's the second time you've worked with Greg, right? It was the second, well, Greg and I wrote a script. So after Ben's plan, you security, security. Is that right? Yeah. And it had been this um, idea I'd been kicking around, and Greg had said, "Hey, what do you? Uh, what if we took a crack at it together?" And I was like, "Oh, okay. I've never written with somebody. Like, I love this idea, but yeah. what if it? That's goes a bold south? choice. It's yeah. not easy to write with somebody. No. And what if this goes south? And that would really stink, you know. And it didn't. Um, and it got into the IFP Emerging Narrative Program, and um, it's a pretty heavy topic. In fact, it we're kind of developing it as a limited series now. What security? Or okay, yeah. Because um, it's a it's kind of a heavy topic, and everybody had lovely things to say, but then they were like, and anything else, which they'll often ask. Right, right, right. You know, like, yeah. are you one trick pony, or do we have? Can we look at you as a pipeline? Like, that's all I've got. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine just being <laughs> yeah. like, no, that's all I <laughs> that's have. That's it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Just this. Just, just enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have here. security. <laughs> yeah, here it is. I wrapped it in a bow for you. Um, so, I spell it differently. Yeah, exactly. So um, Greg, in the, me in the interim, had told me about this thing he had kicked around, this idea of this noir um, film shot in his hometown where he grew up up near Buffalo and blah, blah, blah. And I loved it, but we hadn't begun working on it. Yeah. Um, he had obviously had done a lot of his own sort of interest in it, creating-wise. Because he played the lead, too, yes, right? So yes. that was like a good calling. It's a great role for this oh, guy, Oh, yeah. Right? He's, yeah. And he's great. He's such a good actor. So he... Um, so we were in these meetings, and they were like, we love security, it's a little heavy, how do you deal with, you know, this moment in the story, which is, you know, kind of dramatic, whatever. And I said, what else? And so then I totally put Greg on the spot. I was like, Greg, why don't you tell them about the American side? 
and so he's, that's kind of improv totally. like well why don't you tell the story and now it's your turn <laughs> um, and he's fantastic and he's he's brilliant on the spot um, and he's a brilliant writer and um, he starts pitching it and eyes changed because they could sort of imagine how more commercial perhaps that could be ultimately than this notion of the other one you yeah. know what I mean so in any case, he, so we left those meetings and I was like, we better get cracking, you know. So we, um, we started working on the script and then. But by then you knew you worked together well. Yeah, we worked like together really well. Like you got each other's well. groove and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, he really holds me to a certain standard that I appreciate. Like, he makes my writing better. Right. Um, I don't know if I make his writing better because he's damn good at it. Well, but... that's sort of my question is, what do you think is the thing that you bring to the the team um, obviously um, my cooking no, <laughs> um, you know I uh, we're so we have such similar taste and such similar simpatico that sometimes we're talking over each other yeah. and we realize we're saying the same thing we're like oh wait, wait, wait we're saying the same thing um, I don't know hopefully I bring something of the visual piece but you know, he's he's just a super talented guy. So I lucked out because I feel like it's like my we're each other's ace in the hole right. on, on both sides. But he wouldn't have chosen you to right. you know, like yeah, I always no, think it's right. important to know what you bring to the table because it's so easy to think I bring I snacks. Do. Like I'm really good at snacks. <laughs> I am the craft service. Yeah, I mean all. that's valid. And anybody think, listening should know to always have snacks. Right. But. I think um I think perhaps one of the things that I bring is um, the, per, the persistence of execution. Like okay. I, I feel like at some point we can talk, we can keep talking about it, let's go, let's do it. Yeah, let's do yeah, it. yeah. Um, That's a hugely valid thing to bring yeah. to the table. Because it's easy to go, it's too much, Yeah. It's so long. Yeah, or yeah. like, I just want to fix this one last thing. And you're like, we can, we can do that and we can move. Like, yeah. The, the train has to be moving. It doesn't do anything in the station. You, there's totally. a time for the station, and then there's a time to get moving. So probably something in there. Because, you know, what had happened, too, with the American side is I said to him, listen, I have a coming-of-age story film, and that's my calling card right now. And you've done television stuff, but you don't have, like, a leading man credit right now. So these are the two strikes we're going to have going out and getting financing. Right. I was going to be like, was your okay. first time directing? It was my side? first time, second time directing, but at a whole other So budget. new director anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Certainly. Like, you know, Ben's play did well in the festivals, and when it came to distribution, I didn't even have the money to get the film to a distribution place. You know, it's all the legal stuff, all the whatever. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to hang tight with it then. Yeah. And, you know, parlay it into my next thing. So when there's that big retrospective of my work, Ben's plan. Right. Um, <laughs> That's right. So I said to Lifetime Greg, achievements around oh, the corner. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, I'm picking out dresses. Yeah. Um, so I said to Greg, what we should do is... We, we have three things with this film. We have Buffalo as a main character, and Niagara Falls as a main character. Perhaps not an easy sell, because that's a location shoot. Um, a lead actor that people haven't seen or familiar with. Yeah. Um, a female and, you know, and director who is going to do this super genre picture, who doesn't have something to point to, say, see, I did that other noir, that other mystery thriller, or whatever, right? Yeah. And so I said, we should go shoot a proof of concept trailer. We should go, pr we yeah. should go make a trailer like the movie's already done that has all the feels for that. 
So which is a great thing to do. Like yeah. if people are looking to direct, just get a trailer together. Yeah. Because it shows it. your tone instantly, totally. as opposed to you trying to describe it and yeah, and I storyboard think, it. I think when you do it well too, it goes it goes back and informs your scripts. Like you yeah. just everything just gets better. Yeah, good because point. you did it. You know, so we went up and did that over the course of a few weekends up in Buffalo, um, and we did mostly weekends because um, my uh, regular collaborator, me, she shot Ben's plan. She's um, since worked on amazing stuff, and she's also a producer on the project I'm in now. So, because we, we've always tried to figure out a way to work together, um, and hopefully we'll continue to do so. She only really had the weekends, right? You know, right. long weekends. So she would come up to help shoot, and then when she couldn't be there, I would shoot. And um, so we shot this thing, and it was absolutely the smartest thing we did because um, we got investors. Even the producer who came on board had a long um, history of producing very strong, independent, award-winning films and some bigger ones as well and he was like I thought the film might be already done based on the trailer oh you know? wow yeah. and when we would show investors they're like but it's done so what do you need finishing funds and we're like nope no so that was exciting that's exciting and I'm sure that's part of why some of the actors came on board is I said okay well it's not a shit show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know least. what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> they all agreed to come to Buffalo that summer. And, um, you know, she I mean, who doesn't want to go time. to Buffalo? I to tell you. Right, though? No. No, me. I don't like Buffalo. Don't, no. Really? <laughs> no, I'm sure you have to see Buffalo through somebody's, like, probably Greg's eyes. Yeah, well, And then you, know you see it, like, differently. And I think this movie probably is, like, totally a calling card for Buffalo. People are like, oh, my God. We were, you know, so sexy film now. Opened, I know. When the film opened and we went around and did all these Q&As around the country for opening nights at different theaters, like art houses, people were like, there, there was almost always someone from Buffalo in the audience. Yeah. And they were like, oh, my God, you made it look more beautiful than I've ever... I mean, it is. The know. way you shot it makes it look really sexy. It's beautiful. Yeah. I think it's... So, so for me, when I got there, I just was, like, going and stepping in the middle of streets with my camera and taking pictures and like going oh shit traffic Cause there, and there wasn't a lot of downtown traffic yeah. because of like the great suburban sprawl that had happened but there's architecture there like you know Frank Lloyd Wright and yeah. E.B. Green and like this is amazing architecture that's amazing and then Niagara Falls come on now did you because I feel like I don't even know how to put this but did you ever feel like the woman directing in that show oh um do you know what a I couple mean? Times. Like, I'll tell you where I felt it the most, getting financing. And tell me about that, because that always I'm always um, taken aback by that so much that I don't have a good comeback for it. Right. So whenever I'm in place, put in a place where I'm like, oh man, I feel like a lady. Right. <laughs> in just, a negative yeah. way. Yeah, you know, I just I feel objectified. Yeah. Yeah. Or like belittled or yes. patronized. Or patronized, or patronized, depending <laughs> on where you are. Um, so how did you deal with that kind of stuff? Um well it was definitely not pleasant, and uh, I had—I was, you know, really lucky, or really smart, maybe both, um, to have Greg and then our other producer Jonathan Shoemaker as my allies in it because they were very good at sort of redirecting back to me yeah. and stuff, which was awesome of them, and they were very aware of the stuff as well, so they're very supportive of, hey, if you don't want to work with that guy, you don't want to take his money, we don't take it, right. you know, and so. That was great. Um, but yeah, there were just instances where it was like, it was almost comical. Yeah. You know, there's the ones that are annoying, like, 
oh, you know, I should introduce you to my friend because once he knows what a cute director you are, he'll invest, oh. and you're like, what the Goodbye. fuck did I just hear? Yeah, yeah right? it's just like the craziest thing. Don't you like, did you like just this? say that? I know, I feel like saying, <laughs> I know you didn't mean to say that out yeah. loud. I'm yeah. sorry that it came out. Yeah. But that's outstanding. And, and maybe pull your head out of your ass, frankly. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Is this so what you say to you? a gentleman who's standing here trying to... You're a real to, cutie? Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, he'll invest in this because you're hot. Like, How did you deal with it? Like, did you um, ever... I just... Well, I would sort of say something like, well, hopefully they'll think the project is worthwhile and, and trust that I can execute it. And yeah. I just try to, like sort of make them sit with it a yeah. little bit you know if it was you hope yeah exactly because yeah. you're not going to be this is not going to change because I said that to this yeah. you know potential investor or whatever and then there were times there was one of the ones that like is most prominent was there was this investor that potential investor that we had been courting for a while and I had dinners with him in New York and I had dinners with him in other places and um, and his home with his wife was lovely, lovely. Yeah. You know, he's a very smart man, all this, you know, wonderful, you know, very uh, together. And then when we had the final sort of like, are we going to close this deal meeting, we had it at his offices and Greg and Jonathan joined me. His eye contact constantly went to them. Oh, right. And then at the end, he asked me what I did on the project. We'd already After had, had four, four specific yeah. long-term sit-down dinner kind of things. Where what did you do? <laughs> yeah, right, you're said. so dumbfounded. I was. So... I was a little bit like, what? And I was like, uh, well, I'm the director, co-writer, co-producer. Yeah, of this. I'm their boss. Yeah, like, like, right? I mean, insane. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... I feel yeah. like we need like a roster of comebacks. Yeah. Do you know like I'm so taken right. aback by ignorance that I don't always have the thing to say until well, later and then and I'm like, oh, I wish I'd. And I think that that's baked in. I think that's what they're For banking sure. on. They're banking on you not having a comeback because we're trained not to. Not I don't know if we're trained. I don't know how to say it. We're socialized rather. To like, uh, 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 make it okay for them, but, walk away, shift focus. And I think they're so, trained to say comments like yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, like I don't actually they think they haven't been told it's not it's okay. Not okay. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to say it. Like, I want it, I want you to know that you've been trained badly. You're, you you should sue your trainer. Yeah, like sue it's not been great. Which it's might like be all of society or your parents. Yeah, and your parents. <laughs> but you know the thing is, it's like people do what get away with what they can. Yeah. That's human nature. Yeah. So when. You know, why did he do this? And you're like, well, because he has been allowed to do it. Right. You know, why, why is, you know, such and such such an asshole? Because people allow it. Yeah. You know? So do you feel like you have, because I don't, I don't really see you as a female director. I just see you as a director. Well, that's good. And I just see, and I, be. yeah, right. So do you feel a responsibility, a um, gender responsibility well, as odd as that sounds? I, I feel like. Um, it might be just in me. I don't know. I do tend to find myself looking for other female talent to work with. Yeah. You know, um, and not like I'm going to find this woman because I won't work with a man. I mean, I've worked, I love all the men I've worked with. Yeah. They've been phenomenal. Um, it's more like, uh, I don't know. It's just sort of instinctually I'm thinking, I'm thinking about that because I have had some experiences with some of the men I have worked with in key roles where it does get condescending. Mm -hmm. It does get like, well, let me tell you how the camera works. And you're like, oh, wow. Oh, my what? gosh. 
Um, and I don't think they were ill-meaning. I think it was, again, this is what they're used to. This is what, right. this is how it's been. That's you know? very gracious of you. <laughs> yeah, I hope you know, so. You know, but I do feel like that. I think if I had said to them, you know, you sound like a condescending asshole right now, that they would have said, am I allowed to curse? Yeah, well, I okay, mean, good, embrace it. Yeah, because yeah. I do. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I think they would have been maybe taken back and thought, I didn't think I was doing that. And you're like, yeah, but you were. Because the, the response in those situations has to be something that I'm okay living with. Yeah. Like, I'm not okay living with oh. getting angry because I don't like myself angry. Yeah, yeah. And I also want to um, further the conversation. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so if I say, like, hey, you jerk, like, that's not going to get us anywhere. No, but if right. I say, I don't know if you know how awful you sound. Like, right. do you know yeah. that this isn't sitting well? Or, I don't know. Do we, I don't I think we're in an education era. Yeah, I is think, what I think so. I think yeah, I think you're right about that. And I think yeah. it does have to be like saying your how you feel. Like, you know what? This does not feel yeah. this does not feel conducive to getting to the other side of this conversation or, you know, I don't know if you're aware, but it feels very condescending. Yeah. It's coming down the pike. Um, I had a AD who's a dynamo and at one point he said to me on a, on set one day he was like you know, I think you just need to like lose your shit and just yell at them or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I get that's what everybody's used to. It's not happening here. Like, and it's not it, what you do. Why? Like, that's not your yeah. jam. So, why? Who's important in that scenario? The yeller? Like, it just seems like idiotic. You know, I'll pull my department heads if I feel like things are going off the rails. I'll pull my department heads and be like, you guys have got to get your teams in shape. Yeah. But we weren't in a place like that. We were having one day that was looking slightly late, you know? And he's like, I think if you just yell. And I was like, I'm not yelling. Yeah. What the? Everybody's working. Also, it's not like people are sitting yeah, around right. doing everything they can possibly do yeah. to get us up and going. So yelling is just going to be, it's like the person who honks their horn when the light turns green. And you're like, oh. Come on. Thanks. Did thank you do you. that? Did you magically turn the red yeah. and green? Yeah. Oh, it's green? Okay, well, <laughs> I'll go now. Thanks so much for honking right at, you know. Yeah. It just doesn't, you can't, like, scream at people. And at the end of the day, we have to communicate the way we want yes. to, you right. know. And right. Like, I read somewhere that you started, like, um, getting, like, uh, memo pads and, like, clipboards when even when you were a kid. Like, I yeah. feel like we we are doing the jobs we're doing that we've done since oh, yes. we were children. Like, I read somewhere that, did you, like, hand out, did you hand out, like, um, Ticker tapes or something like that, or tickets to people. Tickets, yeah, yeah. we made tickets. We so totally made tickets. We made for... like perforated, like with oh a pin, God. and That's I would amazing. like produce a puppet show. That's amazing. So, I love it because. I still do that kind yes. of stuff because well, I love it. Well, that's what I'm doing it. with my four-year-old niece. I'm like, ooh, are we yeah. running a restaurant tonight? Yeah, are we exactly. Doing, you know, we create the name of the restaurant and the sign, oh, and like, yeah. you know. So, what do you think is the thing that you're bringing now, as an adult, as <laughs> into an adult, your team? Hmm. Hopefully, I'm bringing like a. A place for all the wonderful collaborators I work with to do their best stuff. Yeah, I can't do it on my own. Yeah, I, in my head, it's all done, and thankfully that's not what actually gets done. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense, because I have, I have my ideas and my, the things that I have been living with and incubating to get to the place of production. And then once you open up that door for production, it's all collaboration. Yeah, and I think. I just am constantly in search of like the great people to collaborate with that elevate what I've been living with in my head for so long. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, if you're lucky enough to have the creative control, it's gonna still be your. It's still. It's. It's nothing's a threat. Like if someone has an idea, it's not like, hey, wait, no, that's my. It's but that's my yeah. thing. 
But it is about being able to be so connected to your story that your intuition says, damn, that's a great idea, or yes, but not for this. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think the more, I'm, I guess what I'm working on as a creator is continuing to um, uh, nurture that part where that, that says like, okay, what's, I'm working with these people for a reason. Yeah. You know, and it's not because they're going to just be my, you know, hands or my eyes, the camera or whatever. It's that this is what I was thinking. And then they bring what they know. Yeah. And between the two of you or three of you or whatever the dynamic is at the time, you just make it even that much better. You know, like I was sitting with my composer on this film yesterday and he's um, he's amazing. He did the I, Tanya score. And he was talking, he'd asked me about like the final cue in the film and I had said, you know, don't don't stress. I think it's great. I really love how it does this stuff. And he said, okay, okay. And then I went and sat with him. And he said, okay, listen. I know you said not to do this, but I this just kept bugging me. So can I just play it for you? And it was ever so subtle the change that he had made, and it was perfect. And I said, I'm so grateful you didn't yeah. listen to me, because well, the other one worked. Yeah, this is better. You know, and they and know like, how to do their job, yeah. right? Yeah, so, and if, and if yeah. someone has those kinds of instincts, and there's been other times where he has an instinct for something, and then I tell him what I want, he goes, okay, you're right, that's that's what should happen here. Right. But it, it's, I guess part of it too, um, it's like good actors are okay with losing, if that makes sense. Tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like I mean, actors, I'm not yet, but I'm working with No, it. but I just mean like when you're good in improv, for example, oh, improv, right? Yeah. Like you have to well, lose. Mistakes because, are gifts is yes, what we exactly. say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everything is a yes and, not sure. a like, I'm going to shut it down right here. Right? I'm, right. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm right. I'm right. There is no coffee in the pot. And you're like, you are right. And now the scene is over. Well because done. you are so right. Because you are yeah, so yeah. right. You're right. Do you want to be right or do you want to be creative? Yeah. Right? yeah. And so I guess what I mean is like, you know, when, when you see good actors, they're vulnerable. They're willing to lose in the storyline, right? To ultimately to serve whatever purpose of the story is going to be, whatever, more connective, more whatever. And I think as a as a writer-director, it's, it's not so much about being right, it's about making sure that what is there, when you get to the edit and when you get to the final picture, is everything you, you had imagined and even better because all these other aspects yeah. came into play. But that takes know? a real um, keen ego. Yeah. You know, like when you're in touch with, like, and what you said was instinct as well, like listening to your instincts. Everything. I feel like we, I feel like we have stopped. Like we, I don't know who we are, but, no, but I feel I like the world right now is not listening to our instincts as no, much as we for should. Sure. For so when sure. you feel like something's There's amiss. There's so many outlets to avoid listening to our instincts. Yeah. Turn to your phone. Um, uh, you know, turn on television, do this or that. Just shut down. Just shut down. Yeah. There's a million ways to do it. Like when you, when you see something that doesn't sit right with you on the subway, you move to your phone. Is that really the thing or to do? Should or you should you clock that that's not great? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's say something. Should you be like, that's kind of creeping me out. What's going on right yeah. now? Yeah. Um, I think you're right about the instinct thing, but I do think it's the key. It's the key for good acting. It's the key for good storytelling. And it's also your vision. Like, I feel like you're, I just feel like you're on a trajectory right now, like from Ben's plan to American side. Like, I feel like you're just, you just have a very clear vision of what you want and what you don't want. 
right. which I think is equally important. Like sometimes people go, yeah, I know what I want, but I'm like, do you know what you don't want? Right. I think that's really important too. I think the don't want is much better because the want can just expand. Do you know what I mean? It can like, it's like I a sponge. I love that, yes. Like the sponge can just get bigger. Yes. But if you don't want the water, it's kind of key to know you don't want the water to touch your sponge. You right, I mean? <laughs> right, like, right. I'm with you still. I'm with you. I know. Yes. I'm kind of a, this might be the white wine. No, guy. no, I love but, it. But you yeah. know that, that um, the not, knowing what you don't want, I think, um, if you can back it up, if you're yeah. not just closing yourself down. But I think knowing what you don't want is what opens the doors to what you do want. And actually letting go of what you don't want, because you don't want it. Yeah. You know, like, don't stay there with, like, but I don't want this, but I don't want that. Like, I've, I've written a lot of treatments for um, uh, for different projects for other people. And sometimes I'm given, like, what the other, like, what the director, it's for commercial work, right? Yeah. So, like, what the, the director wants and I'll listen I'll read the thing and I'll be like okay this entire thing is what he doesn't want to do right and if I was reading this I'd be like, great and what do you want right, to do right, right. like how do we shift this to what you do want to do so I think like yeah you have to sort of say you know your boundaries and let them go because you're moving in the other direction you're yeah. what you do want yeah and then you know your instincts of letting go of things like when people collaborate which oh, it feels yeah. like that's your jam like collaboration yeah it's still it, it's still hard for anybody yeah. who does it I think it's still hard because you do feel protective you feel protective to make sure okay sure sure what you're saying is interesting but you understand what I'm saying you know like it's very hard to yeah I so, need the balance I need you to, I mean to be like I embrace your ideas, but do you embrace my ideas? Yeah. <laughs> like, I need that, too. Yeah. It's the balance. And it's a balancing thing of understanding when to keep saying what you need yeah. and when to sit back and say, okay, but we're not doing that, so let's move on. Yeah, because your vision you know. is strong. Yeah. So when you, so your head must have exploded a little bit when you got people like Matthew Broderick, <laughs> right, and Janine Garofalo, but yeah. I, I, remember, I heard somewhere about that you gave them an opportunity to play what they're not usually playing, Yes. which I think is so exciting yes. for an actor, especially if those Yes, those for sure. Yeah. But I love seeing comedic actors in those roles. Yeah, for sure. What, like, tell me about the process of you dreaming up that casting and then happening. Yeah, so we, um, you know, the film has a lot of homage to noirs and yeah. conspiracy films of the 70s. And so one of the things was trying to find casting that could homage that. So you have, um, you know, Harris Eulin and Robert Forster and the great late Robert Vaughn. Um, and they're all of these eras of noirs and conspiracy theories of the 70s and that kind of feel. So we wanted to have some of that that harked back. And then it really was about, again, you're asking people to take a chance on a small budget independent film. But you had your trailer. Shooting. Yes, we you're in a slouch. <laughs> like seriously, yeah. like right, we had, if we had I was an actor, trailer, yes, it would true. be different if you were like, "Look, I got this thing, yeah, on the down low, yeah. and that me in an alleyway." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I really have some good ideas. Yeah, I'd be like, "All right, yeah. uh, twenty bucks, okay." And, and we had budget. Yeah. You know, we had budget coming into play, and certainly the fact that some of these actors attached themselves early helped get some of that budget. Yeah, um, fully secured, um, but. Um, it did, you know, there was a ton of, you know, no's or get back just when you have the budget, you know, so like Robert Forster, who is just the dearest and was amazing and such an honor and joy to work with, he had said, keep me posted when you're ready to go. Yeah. You know, like I'm not going to officially attach, right. but when you're ready to go, call me back. If I can do it, I'm in. Right. Kind of thing. That's um, fair. Which is t totally yeah. fair, you know. Um, 
and certainly like an actor who knows how it works you know like, yeah. I'm not gonna you know close everything down if I get a job in Romania no. I'm not shooting your film yeah you know? um, so in any case he he was phenomenal but that was one of those things where you had a lot of people kind of backing and trusting and once the train starts moving more people jump on right. and so that was also exciting so um, but I felt like there's these actors that we like and we know that aren't doing the stuff that they could do. And I remember talking with Matthew yeah. about this role, and I said it's like the James Mason role, North by Northwest. Like he was like, a, I'm in. Yeah, he was like, well, go on, you know. And Sorry, you called me James Mason. Yeah. I beg your pardon. Yes, exactly. Yes. So, so that was actually it was a very funny moment because he did say, go on. Yeah. You know, and we sort of laughed about it. Um, and then. Camilla Bell was somebody who, her her whole look, outside of her being a good actress, her whole look, it harks back to an era yeah. like Elizabeth Taylor um, and just the great film fatales of the 40s. You know, she just has this other kind of timeless look to her. And one of the one of the things about the film is that it deals with this timeless aspect. You don't know exactly what time it is. You know it's not the 70s, but you also yeah. know, like, some people have cell phones, but not our main character, and and that plays with this whole test, whatever. It goes to a deeper thematic piece. But So she was she was great. And then Alicia Bacleda was another actress who I'd admired for a long time, and they were both my two picks. Right. And there was... As often happens, there was a lot of like, yes, 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 but I don't think we'll get them, so let's go to this, let's, I don't think we'll get them. And I was like, okay, enough, let's go to them. And literally, You never know card, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was like, I'm done listening to the, you know, casting thoughts around these things, let's just ask. And they were both in. And um, the same thing with Robert Vaughn. There was like, no way is like one of the Magnificent Sevens going to do this. No way. But there's no harm in asking. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember like, you know, having this real, it was maybe the only kind of real tense moment where I was like, I am done talking about it. We have to ask. I wrote a letter. I'm ready to go. Let's do it. And in 24 hours, he was in. And I was and like. Was that you that wrote the letter to him? Yeah. That I wrote, was forwarded to. For, yeah. Yeah for all of them, you know, and it was just like, it was so exciting, and then like, I remember Harris Yulin came to set, and I had total fandom, where I'm like, eating lunch with him, being like, oh my god, I'm sitting next to I Harris Yulin. that always exists. Yeah, I had lunch I once on set with Eugene Levy, Joan, yes. Joe Flaherty, and somebody else was at the table. Oh, Martin Short. Oh my god. And I was Come like, on. what's my life right now? It was <laughs> so amazing. No, it's just, there's these great performers, and, yeah. and all different things, and you you just, you enjoy, you should enjoy it. You should yeah. enjoy those moments, you know? And there yeah. was a moment, I think, where Greg said to me, um, that was another fun thing, is everybody was gaga for how good Greg was. And I was like, yeah, yeah he's amazing. And also, he he really, truly was a partner because on set, we had a 28-day shoot. We had very, you know, very tight budget, 28-day shoot, a different location every day. I mean, it was logistically insanity. And I had this like fully connected, fully dedicated ace in the hole with him, where like he was like he was prepared for everybody. Yeah, you know, he brought and, and it, that's, and he brought it. Yeah. And so I could ask him for something, and it would be like on a dime, and I could turn to the other actor and bring them into the fold because sometimes they were. I mean, it was one of those things where they were coming in for a short, short time mm-hmm. to do a bunch of work and then going, you know. And so having him be this like rock. That was just so, and like the crew were like, oh my God, Greg. And I was yeah. like, yeah. And then the wonderful local actors in Buffalo 
where people were like, these are day players? Like, they're phenomenal. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's like, and we knew a lot of those guys because Greg knew them from, like, his young acting days before he went right. to Carnegie Mellon, you know, and stuff. So, anyways, it was, it was like this magic. Very, but yeah, it was yeah. magic. But those people, there was a moment where Greg said, so I just want you, like, leaned over, was like, I just want you to know you're directing someone who's been directed by. And he started going down yeah. this, like, Hitchcock. <laughs> and he started saying this, and I was like. Don't tell me that now. Totally. I was. I was like, well, that's too much. It's too much. Yeah. So, it so was what's the thing? Like, you're, so, if, as I said, like you're sort of on this trajectory. Yeah. Do you have like what's motivating you? What's the thing that's gonna be like the carrot? The carrot. The carrot is just. I, I mean, just, there's little baby carrots along the way. There's always baby carrots. Yeah. I love. Money's a good motivator. Like living. Yeah. Having a living wage is a good motivator. Yeah. Are you able to make money doing your filmmaking right now? Yeah, I am. But it's always about the next project. I guess the motivation is to be in a place where the projects are lined up. Yeah. Versus feeling like you're still kind of like, you know, sticking a stake in the side of the cliff wall and pulling yourself up yes. to the next one. Yeah. The idea that it could just move a little bit faster would be nice. Um, yeah. Everything takes forever as it is. I feel like so American like, Side's going to tip things well it's done well I mean like so this film now so I made I just finished my first doc but so this is also I want to talk about this yeah. it's qualified right yes. and yes. this is about like a one the first female race car Indiana the first, yeah the first one to qualify for the Indianapolis 500 which is you know considered the race of races yeah um, and open wheel racing you know yeah. and, um, that's gonna to get a lot of attention for sure she's awesome she's yeah. amazing and, no, and but for you too oh. <laughs> well that will be lovely yeah that, you know I mean ideally we'll we'll parlay this into making the narrative of it because yeah. in a doc she's this amazing life she's a ton of great story and then you know in a doc you're sort of traversing it on plot points in a way right right and right. in the narrative you can go deeper into her, her personal life and her struggles and her you know dealing with this like male bastion that was like get the fuck out of here right and her saying i just want to drive and the thing that i was really taken by multiple things but one of the things i was really taken by with her story is when you put on a racer's uniform and you're in the car you cannot tell right if it's a man or a woman yes you have no idea like, no way. There's no. zero. Nobody could ever tell you that's a man or a woman driving. And I felt like it was this, I felt as I read her autobiography, um, which is what introduced me to her, and then we got the rights to it and, you know, did this, is that I had such a kinship to her, like, I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. Yeah. Everyone else had a problem with my being a woman. I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. But also this sort of like I can't do it on my own. She can't she can't drive the car she can drive the car. She can build a car. She built her first cars, you know, um, from scratch with like a Jaguar you know uh, manual manual yeah. in the dark and like in a freezing cold barn, you know, she did all this stuff. Was um, it seventies, eighties? That would have been in the sixties that she did Holy that. crap. She qualified in nineteen seventy seven for the yeah. first yeah. And um and then, and she came up constantly with like no sponsorship, and it just makes you think about financing and film. Like you need people to believe in you and back you to get to the next, you know, to win, to get across the finish line, to do all that stuff. So we just had this like very strange, um, connective feel to her. I mean, making movies isn't life and death like racing cars, but it certainly the stakes feel as high. <laughs> I know, I know. It's interesting. It's not life and death, but it is your passion. Yeah. So right. that but, still has validity in the whole thing yeah and she she said some things when we were interviewing her that I just remember sitting across from her and like trying not to tear up 
Um, I didn't always succeed. How old is she now? 80. She's yeah. going to be 81 on I March I love that 7th. you're doing this. This is so important. Yeah. She's a rock star. Yeah. Um, and she said, you know, this is what I was born to do. It was my passion. You know? Yeah. And, and, you know, um, and she she is one of those stories, too, that is um, just bittersweet. Like, like the best that never was yeah. kind of thing. Like, she did really well in the short time they let her be there. Yeah. And, um, but Hall of Fame, right? Yeah, so she's now, she's going to, yeah, she's in the Hall of Fame. But she, um, I mean, she, in 77, she qualified. And as one newspaper reporter, I'm going to badly quote this, said something like, she drove the car, said, she, they said she couldn't drive. She finished the race. They said she couldn't finish. You know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Um, but she, that year in 77, her car went out early, which is very common in racing with cars. You know, it's like, that's the weird thing too. It's machinery yeah. and which is also like filmmaking. Unreliable. Yeah. So she. Oh, um, machinery? Unreliable? Yeah, what what do you think? I don't know anything about that. Okay. But just that it's not, it's not like just running a race. Yeah. You know, running on your feet. Yeah. I need a pair of shoes in my body. This is, I need all this other yeah, stuff. I need right. a team behind me that's going to make sure and it's going to, you know, weeks and weeks of practice to get to that race day and qualify. First, you have to qualify, then you got to run the race. Yeah, and there's yeah. all these just very simpatico or similar um, echoes of each other. In any case, she went out early in 77 and then 78, even though she'd done so well. And at this point, NASCAR had come courting and she'd done very well in NASCAR. She couldn't get sponsorship. And with a month to go, so you have to just, in your mindset, like people who are going to Indianapolis, these racers and these teams, they've been preparing since the last race stopped. Yeah, with since money. a year ago, with money. Yeah. She had not had sponsorship and could not get it. And a month before opening day of practice, Texaco comes in, she gets money, she pulls together her own team. She's now a car owner, car, you know, manager, team manager, and the driver. Yeah. And she finishes in the top 10 in the top yeah. ten. I mean, that kind of Mario sounds Andretti. like really. Yes. I love it. I mean, I do know who Mario right, Andretti is. Right. Of course. Is. Yeah. Right. That's a, yeah. that's one of the things. Like he'd been going to the race for fourteen years. Yeah. He's an, he's arguably one of the greatest drivers of all time. You know, she finished ahead of him yeah. in her second Indianapolis five hundred. And it kind of sounds like you. Oh, like well, right because if you think tremendous. about like the things that you're like up against, and you're like, no, I'm still gonna pursue the passion that I have, and that's. Well, that is what inspired me about her story. It's very yeah. generous of you to say it sounds like me. It's more that I could just relate to the fact that that's what all of us are doing. As that's, what I mean. yeah. that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like you're you're fighting your own fight. Is what I mean. Yeah. Like, like you're gonna. No one's gonna give it to you. No, no. one's gonna. You know. And um, and it's listen. It's tough for everybody to get sponsorship. Just to sure. to frame her story. It's tough for everybody. But was it tougher for her? Undoubtedly. Yeah. And like everybody will say it. AJ Foyt and Johnny Rutherford and all the greats will say, yeah, it was tougher. No doubt about it. So do you feel like this is going to take you to the next level, like, with that kind of film? Like, what's your what's your? I hope big, everything just keeps the yeah. levels moving, you Are know? you okay with things? Like, what do you do when you're like, I can't fight the fight anymore? Um, do you ever get that? I do you know don't what I mean that. By that? I, get, I get mad yeah. when I get, like, lay down. I get mad, like... Uh, I'm frustrated. Why is it so I feel, hard? Yeah, I, yeah. Sh I felt like this should lead, should have led to that, or this, you know, why is blah, blah, blah. So how do but you then, pick yourself back up? Um, you know, I, I ask myself, what am I doing to, to, like, what can I do to change that? It's not, you know, 
there's no rhyme or reason. Nobody knows what they're doing in this, in this industry. There's no rhyme or reason that says, so this, then that, A equals B. Yeah. You know, B equals C, all that stuff, you know, and I'm bad at math as we discussed earlier. Um, there's no, there's no one way. And so you just have to say, okay, so what's the next way? You know, it's like, it's like asking for financing. If the door shuts, what's the next door? Right. Like, you're not going to go like, oh, well, that didn't happen. Well, that's done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, and um, maybe it's because I love, when you ask me like downtime, sports are often a yeah. downtime thing. Yeah. And there's nothing, there's no true drama to watch except for sports yeah you know it's like a totally of the moment <laughs> yeah no I get it um and when you and I love sports and I love and I think that like there's something about um like when you're when you're on a good run or like you're um swimming lap whatever I'm thinking about the different races no I get it it's that moment of like I'm so tired I'm so tired you're like find it yeah find the thing that's going to take you to the next lap there's always 60 more seconds in you there's always 30 more seconds in you and those add up you know and there's there's always a finish line and you can worry about it once you get to the other side you know oh my god I love it just kind of I love your brain going. so much like I knew <laughs> like I was reading and listening to the stuff that you were doing before this and I was like like I am so at par of what your oh, trajectory is and what's your background like I love the way you think and I think you're um, so really I'm really glad to have met you I'm so glad to do yeah. this this is so much fun I can't wait like, to share your voice like oh, I think it's really important that's um that's that's very lovely to hear um yeah. I just I think though that like there's I think that um, there's this movement afoot right now that is sort of amplifying what so many women and minorities in general have known for a long time, which is it is going to be harder. It just is. And um, I did have the naivety of, or maybe just the thought of like, well, I want to do this, so why is it going to be hard? Oh, that's why right. it's going to be <laughs> right, hard. Right, right, right. Ah, okay. Yeah. And like, that was a tough pill and lesson to learn. Um, but there's this movement, and it's sort of like, well, great. So let's see, how can this movement keep moving? You know, and how, I don't know my part in it yet, but how can we just, how can we all just keep being like, what's your voice? What's your voice? Let's hear your side of the story. Because we know the other one, and it's dominated, and there's been some beautiful stories in the domination of that. There's also been stuff that, like, just never moved the needle. And it, there's not a... I've gotten asked a lot because my first film was about coming of age about a boy and his brother. The next film was this, you know, genre pick about um, a detective, downbeat detective. Mm-hmm. Um, where actually the women were the smartest people. Right. If anybody wants to go back and watch it, they're the smartest ones in the story. But um, the the thing I got asked a lot, like, oh, you tell these masculine stories, yeah. and I remember being like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, I'm telling the st- I'm telling the stories that I'm interested in telling I'm not telling a story for you like I'm not telling it in, with those things in mind but it was interesting I thought why are we putting gender on stories because nobody looks at terms of endearment is like you know oh James L. Brooks why did you write such a feminine story right I mean, they do look at folks like Tracy Letts and the right. August and Osage County and go yeah. wow you spoke so clearly for women right but right. I think in this like I feel like when I write, I have to challenge my trained mind to actually write for women sometimes. Yes. I you know I can appreciate that too. For yeah. totally. Which is like I'll write a script and be like, hold on a second, I don't want to play any of these roles. Yeah. I have to switch things. So yeah. 
You know it what? Was as, different. An, as an actor writing, that's a great thing because I noticed working with Greg, who's a working actor, he'll often say, like, you just want them to read it and go, I want to do that. Yeah, yeah. You have to, like, yeah. on, the, on that, like, third, fourth draft phase, you know, when you've kind of been totally. done a lot of problem solving, you're like, now how do I juice this up? How do I make this so delicious? Each scene so delicious, you know? And part of that is thinking, like, who would want to, who would read this and be like, I want to do this, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. But I know what you mean about It's my writing. trained mind, though. It's my own fault totally, for, like, letting it get in guide. Well, the chosen pronoun's he. Right? Right? It always is. Like, when in doubt, he. Right? You always say, hey, guys. Yeah. Welcome, guys. Like, yeah. Like, I have to start changing my brain for that, too. No, it's true. Ladies it's, and gentlemen is out. Yeah. Like, those kind of trained No, it's it's things. a very, yeah, it's exactly. It's just, it's, it's a bit of a socialized yeah. thing. But I guess what I mean is, like, less than thinking, like, I might get in trouble, whatever, I don't know if I get in trouble for, but I might get chastised for saying something like the female gaze. I'm like, I'm not sure I understand what that is. I do understand the concept of it, but what I'm saying is like, if you have a story in you, I just want to hear it. Right. And do we need to make more room for those stories from people who just haven't had an equal place at the table? I think it's the challenge of it, though. It is. Like, I think as a writer, producer, director, it's constantly challenging what we think is right and going like, oh, yeah, we'll just cast a guy in that role. But, like, why are we we casting that guy because that's what I think should be done or is because I've been trained for... Yes. And if I I open my options to be like, what happens if he's a woman? Yeah. No, I I think you have to do that. I think that's just our job as creators now. I agree. That that's, it's not easy. No, I agree. Um, even Security, that first story we wrote together, Greg and I, in the development of it being like a short, a limited series, immediately I said, and then he was right behind me, I was like, it's got to be a female security guard. Right. Interesting. Just done. I mean, Judy Garofalo could have been a male character. Oh, but well, you... there was a lot of that yeah. in, in the American side fantastic. where we shifted. Where we were like immediately like, no, it doesn't have to be. Like with the casting, we are like, no, no, no. It doesn't have to yeah. be. And she's fantastic in it. And she had said, like, God, nobody's offering me this stuff. And yeah. like, here it is. Yeah. Um, even like Camilla and Alicia were like, oh, I'm not wallpaper. Like I've got, I'm like doing yeah. the whole thing. And um, we are like, yeah. You're the smartest people in the storyline. So the way I usually wrap these up, because I have to at some point wrap yeah, my it <laughs> has to happen, is to talk about any book or movie or music that you're listening to that you're really jazzed about. Right now? Yeah. Mm. Like something that you can sort of pass on to somebody, be like, you got to read this book, you got to see this movie, you got to see this show. Right. Well, I've already talked about you were never really here. Yes, I think Love it. see it. 100%. Um... I currently, I'm just totally soaking in the gorgeous score that my composer has written. Okay. So I can't really send people off to listen to that right now, but um, he's he's phenomenal. But you want to listen to his score, like it's yes. it's kind of an interesting thing to clock too. Is like when you enjoy a score, like find out who wrote it and start oh, to yes. recognize those names. Totally, and and don't leave for the credits. Don't don't, and if you if you love a score, put it on your. Grab it on iTunes and take a walk or a run with it. Because you'll oh. just have movies just come images, imagery. It doesn't you won't be thinking about the film necessarily. You'll be thinking about all kinds of stuff that'll just it'll evoke. Good score evokes. It doesn't add. It evokes. Yeah, you know? I really love that it idea. Doesn't cue you like cry, laugh. It, it you know Inspires. gives you space. Yeah. yeah, to live. Okay, so then any book that you're reading right now? Are you binge watching anything? 
I am, it's so funny, I'm binge watching Escape to the Country, which is a BBC series about people house hunting in the countryside, so if you want to... Oh, is it like a reality TV show kind of thing? It is, but it's never, it's not designed to be like, pick a house. At the end of it, no one's picked a house. They're like, oh, we'll revisit this, and they're like, okay, great, good luck with that, (laughs) I'm so jolly. And I love it, and it's been a beautiful um, decompressor. Yeah. So funnily enough, and I told my assistant editor, I was like, we've started watching... Um, escape to the country and the next day she's like oh my god it was so, so fantastic good. I know because you just needed something that I love that it's called even escape to the country you just needed something escape. that just like wash over you yeah I watched Nailed It for the same reason oh because I, I just like love it, it. It's, it's really fun and it's yeah. just silly and like she makes me laugh the host I'm Nicole. very excited totally I'm very excited for the new season of Catastrophe yeah Remember I mean that to me is like I get into it like yeah. I'm not that's not Passive watching. No, that and Peaky Blinders. I do yeah. love. I'm a huge Anglophile when it comes yeah, to all those BBC oh shows. Oh my god! I'm just so doing... like Scott and Bailey. Yes. Oh Broadchurch. Yes. Happy Valley. Yes. Flowers. Yes. Flowers. No. You're welcome. Olivia Coleman. Mm. I know, but it's a comedy. She's so funny, right? She's very funny. Because she's. You saw her in Fleabag, right? Yes. Yeah. She was phenomenal. And they're doing Fleabag here. You know that. Oh no! Stop it! No. Oh my god. See, this is my thing about remakes. No, no, like... they're do- she, her one-woman show. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I have such an issue with remakes. I know. Movies I heard you were tired about that. Like, yes. I get it. Yeah. Yes. My, no, I, no. I teach, um, when I can, at the School of Visual Arts in, in this, the college here, and the students, the other day, they were teasing me about remakes, because they're like, we all know how you feel, and I was like, Yeah. Does someone yeah. say, well, let me paint the Picasso? They yeah. don't. There so, are other stories to tell. Yeah. yeah. If it's based on a play or a book, fair game. You know, well, Fleabag is based on a play that became a series, yes. so the but second season her, right? is coming out. Yeah, all of her. Yeah. And so her one-woman show is coming to New York. Oh, my God. You know? Yes, she was great. I didn't, You know what's so funny? That was one of those beautiful... I, I was in the desperate need of something to escape to. And I started one series. I'll try to be PC and not say what the series were. But I started one and I was like, everybody likes this. This is bullshit. And I turned it off. Right. So I went to a second one and I was like, oh, yes, worse. I know. And so I thought, you know, the still of Phoebe's, her name, right? The yeah. Actress, the and writer, the still of her on Amazon, you know, has like mascara coming down her face. And I was like, you know, I'll go through for three tonight. I'll pick this thing with the girl with mascara coming down her face. It's going to suck. Right, right, right. And I can call it a night. I can be like, I tried three shows. Right. Whatever. I don't know what was going on, but I was all feisty about it. And I put on Fleabag, and I'm like, let's see what you got. And I was like, oh, my God, I love this. I love it so much it makes me angry. Yeah. Because I'm like, I want to do that so badly. It's so Right, right. There's that good, that good, like, mix. Like, you were never really here. I'm like, oh, my God. Comedy and, yeah. If only I had had, had, like, you know, like when I watched Sergio Leone, I was like, if only I'd directed Once Upon a Time in the West. Right. Um, So what's the, um, what's the advice you would give to your younger self? Start sooner. <laughs> well, you started directing at thirty, right? Yeah. You did your. I mean, well. Do you feel I was like you're thirty-one constantly? or thirty-two? When we do you feel like you're that. catching up? I just feel like um, I've always been a late bloomer in yeah. ways. I think, um, and and kind of happily so. Like I, I, the rush to like, I loved being lost in my soundtracks and in my stuff, and not worrying about like, am I going to get laid before I'm eighteen? Right. Um, so. Uh, that's so crass. But I, I went mean, to Catholic school, so... It's fair. I mean, you're um, not the only one that thinks that. Yeah. I mean, I didn't because I was... 
I had I was very busy as a teenager. Yeah, me too. Like, it just wasn't on my radar. I was like, I got, like, stuff to do. Yeah, I had, like, business cards to print out. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I'm not really interested (laughs) in, like, what John thinks of me. Yeah. Um, So, uh, but I think sometimes I look back at my 20s, for example, and I think, like, you knew, you knew as much as you enjoyed acting, you want you felt stronger elsewhere, right? And sometimes I'm like, oh, if only you'd called it sooner. But the reality is, is like you you do you find your stuff, and like it, there's no time is not time is relative. It truly is relative. And um, you know, when I I know you're from Canada, from Toronto, I was dating a guy um, who was a film student at Ryerson in my late twenties, and. I would be over his shoulder constantly. He was editing and like, you know, learning things yeah. and watching, kind of learning by watching. And he was the absolute wrong guy at the right time right. for me. Right. Where I was like, oh, that's just what I want to do is right. direct. So it's it's timing, whatever. So I, do I have any advice for my younger self? No, I just feel like, oh, oh, if you push harder sooner, that kind of thing. But that only means because I love what I do. Yeah. So I would have been doing it earlier. You want to do what you're doing now, but yeah. for longer. Yeah, I get exactly. It. I get that feeling. I, I, but you needed all the stuff you did definitely. to get to where you are now. I mean, definitely. And and the, the relationships that I've made and the collaborators I've had, they all came when I was, I guess, at a place that was able to access them. Yeah. You know? Um, and I know it's a it's a real kind of gift to be able to like say I'm doing what I want to be doing. It is. I just want to do more of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's probably a pretty good propeller too. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, thank you. I yeah. so have loved this conversation. I could talk for another two hours, so I, yeah. my battery will wear out. No. Thank you so <laughs> this much. This is great. Sorry, everybody, for the long, long time. Well, no, they'll be thrilled. They'll be angry that I cut it off. No. Like, thank That's you so much. This it's been a pleasure. So right? Isn't she the best? I, I hope there's a day in the future when all these firecrackers could come together again, because sometimes I have these discussions with folks and then I, you know, I may never see them again. I can't really imagine that. But we don't see each other as, as much as I probably would like to because I've connected with these folks. So maybe there'll be like a firecracker department party. I mean, we're going to do our TIFF party again in September. So this goes out to all our guests and more that you should come to that. But um, I just really love talking to her and connecting with her and then sharing this chat with you. Isn't that the best? You can follow Jenna Ricker on Twitter at Ricker. NYC and uh, check out our show notes to find Jenna's links plus info on what's coming up for her and what's coming up for the firecracker department. It's just a whole big ball of beautiful explosion what's going on and uh, it's better because you're here. I'm so glad you joined us. Thank you so much to my big firecracker team. Oh my gosh I couldn't do any of this without them. Here's the team that are in LA. It's AJ Edmonds, Farah Marani, Emily Churchill, Monique Madrid, Camille Adams, Jordan Giddens, Deanna Moffat. And then in Toronto, there's a whole other chapter. And those are Joanne Boland, Anna Gustafson, Veronica Martin, Sydney Nielsen, Laura Lee Damaccio, Winnie Wong, Naomi Wright, Chelsea McKenzie, and Sarah Bowden. And don't forget about our UK chapter. We've got Vicki Beer over in England, and she is staying up late because of the time zones and helping us build our community. So thank you. And we're just getting started. There are people joining us all the time and we're lucky and we are better off for it. So thank you so much for all the folks that have reached out and said, hey, 
I see what you're doing in the firecracker department and I want to help. Thank you. Maybe some of you are thinking, hey, I'd like to get involved. I really would love that. So why don't you go on over to our website, see what we're doing and see what part kind of jazzes you. It could be something in the comedy department, the art department, the script department, the red point department where we celebrate aging in the arts. Uh, just go on over to firecrackerdepartment.com and check us out. And then drop me a line at firecrackerdepartment at gmail.com and let's chat. Go over to Instagram or Twitter at firecrackerdept. And while you're online, because who's kidding who we're online all the time, why don't you go over and give us a little rating and review? Because it really helps us keep bringing these podcasts to you and keeps building our community. It really does. We know that you have two ears and there's a lot of things you could be listening to. So we really appreciate that you're choosing Firecracker Department. And we just got one better because you're here. See you next time on the Firecracker Department, everybody. Peace.